0: The Bible is a collection of many books, telling one unified story from beginning to end. But all those books were written in different literary styles.
1: Yeah, think of it like walking into a bookstore where every aisle has a different kind of literature. There's history or poetry or nonfiction. And when you choose an aisle and pick up a book, you're going to have very different expectations, different things that you're looking for. Right, they're all literature, but they communicate in really different ways. Yes, and so the same thing is true for the Bible. If you don't pay attention to what style it's written in, you will miss out on the brilliance of each book. So, what are the main types of literature in the Bible. Well, first and foremost is narrative that makes up a whopping 43% of the Bible. After that is poetry, which is 33% of the Bible. And then there's what you could call prose discourse, which makes up the remaining 24%. Nearly half the Bible is narrative. Yes, and this is no accident. Stories are the most universal form of human communication. Our brains are actually hardwired to take in information through stories. And stories are really enjoyable. Why is that? Well, stories train us to make sense of the seemingly random events that happen in life by taking those events and then putting them in a sequence. And then together you can start to see the meaning and purpose of it all.
0: And what links this all together?
1: Well, good stories always have a character who wants something. And then through these characters, an author can explore life's big questions, like who are we or what's really important in life. And a good story always involves some kind of conflict some challenge to overcome, just like in our own lives. And that forces us to think about our own challenges, why there's so much pain or disappointment in the world, and then what can we do about it? And stories usually end with some kind of resolution giving us hope for our own stories.
0: Since these are Bible stories, are the characters showing me how I should live?
1: Yeah, that's not quite the point. Most Bible characters are deeply flawed. You should not be like them. But we are supposed to see ourselves in them, which helps us then see our lives and failures from a new perspective. And without even realizing it, these stories will start to mess with you and change how you see the world and other people and yourself. Now, there are different types of narrative in the Bible. Yeah, there's historical narrative, but also narrative parables, short biographical narratives like the four gospels. We'll look at all these in later videos.
0: Okay, next up is poetry, which honestly, I don't read a lot
1: of. Yeah, you're like most people. But one out of every three chapters in the Bible is poetry.
0: Yeah, why so much poetry?
1: Well, poems mainly speak through dense creative language, linking together images to help us envision the world differently. Poems use lots of metaphor to evoke your emotions and your imagination. Lots
0: of fancy language, but wouldn't it be easier just to tell me
1: what I need to know? Well, think about it. In life, we tend to form mental ruts, and we think in these familiar, well-worn paths that are very hard to get out of through logic or reasoning. And what good poetry does is force you off the familiar path into new territory. Sneaky. And there's different types of poetry in the Bible. There's lots of types of songs or psalms. There's the reflective poetry of the wisdom books, and then the passionate resistance poetry of the prophets.
0: Okay, the last big literary type is called prose discourse, and it makes up a quarter of the Bible.
1: Yeah, these are speeches, letters, or essays, and the focus here is building a sequence of ideas or thoughts into one linear argument that requires a logical response, like Hey, have you thought about this thing? You should also consider how it connects to this other thing. And if you do, then you will see that this is the result. And in light of that conclusion, therefore, you should probably stop doing that one thing so that this other thing will be the outcome. So you're persuading me with reason. Yeah, discourse forces you to think logically and consistently and then do something about it. Biblical discourse is found in law collections, in wisdom literature, and the letters written by the apostles. Okay, so each book of the Bible has one literary style. No, actually most books have a primary literary style, like narrative for example, but then embedded in the narrative you'll come across poems or parables or a collection of laws. Every biblical book is a unique combination of literary styles.
0: And to read that book well I need to
1: be familiar with each literary type and how it works. Yeah, so you know what to pay attention to and what questions you should ask. But before we look at each type, there's one more a unifying feature of biblical literature that's really important and really cool. And that's what we'll explore next.
2: Got you hooked, don't I? Huh? Uh, if, you've, the Bible if you've not uh, seen the Bible Project, not been to the website, or their videos on YouTube, we highly, highly, highly encourage you to do that. They're really engaging. Perfect for all ages. Love them. And I love, I picked this particular Uh, video because uh, what you hold in your hands when you take the Word of God is the most phenomenal, wonderful, incredible work of art uh, in the history of civilization. There's nothing more marvelous and supernatural than the Word of God. Even among just historical documents, it literally stands set apart From every other literary work throughout history in its truth, in its veracity for uh, uh, speaking to exactly what took place, its types and styles, everything that it is made up of, as we just got to see through that video, it's this unbelievable thing that has been given and preserved throughout the ages for us to have. There's nothing like it in all of history, and it's available to us, and it's so powerful, and so what we've been doing over the last several weeks is just uh, taking time to cast a vision for the power of the Word of God in our lives, and what it means to have it, and how we can interact with it, so I've spent three weeks getting a chance to do that, but today, I just want to take one step back to go, how can we step in in meaningful, practical ways to experience the beauty of this book. In 2 Timothy 3, I want you to grab your Bibles. I want everybody to have a Bible. In fact, I purposely did not put this one on the screen. So you have to have a Bible in your hands so you can see it under the chair in front of you. There should be a Bible if you don't have one with you. But I want you to take the scripture so you can see it for yourself. What God has to say about his own written word, 2 Timothy 3, 16, All scripture is breathed out by God. What an unbelievable statement. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable or beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. This is a, uh, and just this one, if you've gotten to grow up in church, you've probably heard this scripture before, but it's such an unbelievable passage because what it says is, what you hold in your hands is a supernatural work that has practical, deeply meaningful, powerful truth that we can walk in for everyday life, fully authored by the Holy Spirit, yet fully practical for like living life. And so what I just want to do today is take a moment to ask this question, what are meaningful, transformative, practical ways of engaging the scripture? That's what I just want to talk about. Again, we've spent the last three weeks casting vision for the power of the word, but I just want to get into this morning the practical meaning that comes from engaging the word of God. I just want to give a few ideas to us this morning uh, for what it means to just dive into the word in a really practical way. Number one is this: listen, build your rhythm for engaging God's word, build your rhythm for in God's word. What do I mean by that? Well, one, uh, the best way we can approach the word of God is coming to it with one, one central thought in mind. God, I want time with you today, period. I want time with you. I'm not trying to get more facts, I'm not trying to figure out more things. I'm not trying to primarily figure out where to go, what to do, although we get all of those things. We're going to talk about that in a minute. First and foremost, we just get to come. Our Bible reading takes a whole different turn if we'll just come to it first with this thing in our heart and mind. I just want to spend time with you today. Because when we do that, we get a chance to step back and go, okay, well, then what is available to me if I come into the power of this truth with just wanting to be and have time with God today? So what do I mean by then building that rhythm? Well, one, everybody loves building something. Y'all love building something. Um, One of the coolest things that happened, I got married. We started a life. Uh, My wife and I, in over 18, we're almost married 18 years but come on. <laughs> I remember those days where we're like, we've been married three years. And I was like, man, that doesn't sound very awesome. Now we're 18. Now we're, now we're sounding awesome. All right. Uh, 18 years, we've had three homes. Every time I'm like, uh, we go through, we look at homes, and I'm like, man, that, that looks like an awesome house. Let's get that house. My wife's like, no, no, that's not an awesome house. And then she'll find a house, and she goes, and she'll say, what about this house? And I look at the house, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would you ever want that? That house is destroyed. It's awful. It's the worst house of all the houses we've looked at. And she goes, no, 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 no. And then I've discovered this phrase. It has great bones. You know it. I don't even know what that means, but my wife knows what that means. So we get in and She's looking for the worst possible house with the best bones or whatever to create and to build. And then I figured out, so you get to do it, and you do these things, and then you're in for a little more time, and then guess what you get to do? Do some more things to that house, right? And we have, we've done gardens and chicken coops, and we've done you know, roofs and siding and all the things. We've done all these things, and it's just her passion to do these things. It's just become my passion to do these things. But it's this, that for her, she finds so much life. And the truth is, everybody actually finds something they love to build. Your thing might, maybe it's gardens. Maybe your thing is building businesses or Maybe your thing is just building, like you're building families. You got like you got kids running around everywhere and you're just like, this is like, I'm, I'm building this, right? But we love, everybody gets things that they love to build. And we have this beckoning from scripture to say, hey, what would it look like for you to build a rhythm of being with me? To build something powerful. And what's so cool about, the vastness of God, is what you're meant and called to build with God is probably gonna look different from what I build with him. But each and every one of us are being called to build fresh, life-giving rhythms with him. And it's gonna take some energy. And one of the powerful things about building if you've ever like, had a plan for something and you wanted to go a particular way, but it didn't always work out right away and you had to make an adjustment or you had to shift in some way, that's part of what it means to build this plan with the Lord. We don't have to be afraid of building something with the Lord that maybe needs to change in, season, uh, in different seasons of our lives. You might find yourself really diving in and February, you're asking God, you're reading Nehemiah, and you're trying to unpack it and unfold it and figure it out, and you have a plan to move on to something else, but you might find that you have a stirring from the Lord. In March, it's just like the birds are starting to come back out, and you're like, I need to be in Psalms or whatever, but there's something that you get to build with the Lord because the point of all of it is, God, I want time with you. I just want time with you. And the easiest thing in the world is to try to manufacture something in a box rather than saying, God, what do you want to do in building my life with you? I think one of the the most difficult things that the average believer experiences is feeling toxic shame because your devotional life, your time in reading the word doesn't look as near as good as Darren Jones' time. You feel, right? You feel shame. I'll never be like the preacher guy. I'll never be like her. Oh my gosh, I heard what she's doing and what she does with her kids and I'm the worst mom ever. And hey, come on. Toxic shame. Listen to me. If you have any lens about the word of God in which you feel toxic shame because you haven't read enough, studied enough, you already messed up the Bible reading plan that you were supposed to start. If you had any of that Listen to me, hear me. Grab that thought by the throat and shove it and stomp under that up with your feet. Put it underneath you. I'm serious. I always like to use graphic language. Listen, this is these are not my words. This is the words of the Bible. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, which means anything that's coming at you to tear you down in toxic shame, you grab it and you put it under your feet. It's been trampled through the power of the cross. God wants to spend time with you. He's ready to build something with you. Wants to build something with you. It doesn't have to be perfect tomorrow, but he's ready to meet with you and inviting you into it. So I don't want that voice of shame that says, you haven't read your Bible enough, but rather hear the invitation, hear the invitation to have his words. Here's, here's what he would say. This is what the father says, John chapter 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Man, let that verse wash over you when you open the Bible. That's what the father's trying to say. My sheep hear my voice and nobody can take that away from them. So let this word have its way in you this morning. You hadn't started a journey of reading and studying and eating and drinking the word of God. My prayer is that you get to maybe for the first time ever hear the voice of the father saying, I'm ready to speak to you. I wanna pour out over you my truth and my goodness. So build a rhythm. Begin to build something with him. Some of you, listen, some of you need that consistent pl- time and place, right? You know, with your personality, if you don't have that consistent time and place, it's gonna just, that's how you're wired. You need that thing. Put it in there. Build that rhythm out. What is, what's helpful for you? Now, some of you, uh, if you do the same time in the same place, um, it's, it's uh, you creatives out there, it's like death to your soul. You're like, oh, this is monotonous. This is boring. Can't do. All right. I, listen, I've heard so many messages. You need to have a consistent time. Listen, I think that's great for all you that need that. But if you need variation, build variation, but just keep going there with the Lord. Don't get locked down in like, got to do it this way. Get locked into, I want to spend time with him. And he wants to give his voice. My sheep hear my voice. So what does that look like? It might differ or change, but let's, can we, regardless of what it looks like, let's open it up and ask him that question. God, can I spend time with you today? Does that make sense? You understand So let's make opening the scripture more about that and less about how perfect your plan is, but let's get there with him nonetheless. All right, so we get to ask ourselves this question, what rhythm do I want to build with the Lord and his word? I'm going to build it. I'm going to build something with him. It may not be perfected today. In fact, I might rebuild it tomorrow, but what kind of rhythm do I want to build with being with him? Okay. Okay. Number two, pray. And I know that this is the kind of supernatural, powerful insight you guys have come to learn and know when you come here and listen to me preach here at New River. So pray. What? A, but hear this, and and we really unpacked this last week. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's message, we want to we'll have it up for you. But what I mean by that is invite the author to share his heart with you. Invite him in. It's just much more meaningful than if you have your plan and you, and you check the checkbox. The checkboxes feel so good, right, to check the checkbox. But there's something so much more meaningful in just saying, I am inviting you, the author, this, the Breathed word to come and just share your heart with me. And so I just want to invite God into your reading. That's all I'll say about that. If you need more insight into that, go back to last week's message and listen to it about inviting the Spirit of God to be with us. Number three, take time to learn who God is. Now, um, I love, one of the coolest things that we get to do the men's study uh, the men's study group, uh, last semester was just so, it was so good. And, um, and Darren actually gave us like a whole thing. It's called prom was, and if you don't, you need to, if you don't, you won't know it, you need to go ask him. Everybody just bombard Darren at the end of this time. asking about prom was okay. It was just a beautiful way to unpack, but here's the idea everyone's gonna say, hey, it's important when you open the Word of God to just take time to observe, to take a look at it, to see what it's saying, right? To take time to comprehend what's being said there. And I think that's so critically important, but there is a question that needs to be threaded through when we look at the scripture, we open it up, and that question is, where is God and what is he showing me about himself, period? Period. As I'm looking to comprehend and to understand the word of God, I want to just ask this question. Where is he and what is he saying about who he is? Every scripture saying something about himself. Before, what should I do? Before, where am I supposed to go? Before even, how can I obey? And we'll get to that. Those are all beautiful things. But before we get to all those other things... We've got to come in and ask, who are you? What are you like? What are you teaching me about you? This is the first and primary reason we come, is to ask those questions. And that involves reading and meditating, maybe, or journaling. There's many ways that we can go about asking that question. I think there's some incredible, by the way, one of the things we learned from our ministry group is incredible, there's so many great resources, by the way, so Bible Projects One, I've got several resources. Uh, the Blue Letter Bible, if you're familiar, it's a free resource, a website or app that's got like commentaries and audio Bibles and all kinds of stuff. It's like, if you're going like, I need help Like figuring out when I'm opening the Word, this is a great resource. I want to highly encourage you to to jump onto that one if you don't. And by the way, I'm sure you guys have like 30. We could all just like, maybe we should just all do that sometime, have a lunch and talk about all the cool tools out there, but it's great. But we got to be willing to ask this question, God, I just want to know who you are. This is the most important thing to me. Now, I want to give you a very, very, very practical expression of this. In my, so I have a reading plan. In my reading plan, I, I use, um, a, it's called the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. The Navigators created it. And in fact, they 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 changed it now, the name of it to Navigators Bible Reading Plan. That plan right there is out in the foyer if you don't have a, just a, a, a plan for reading scripture. And plans are helpful for you. Some of you are hyperventilating when you see that. It's okay, you don't have to do that in order to be acceptable to God. Can we get there, okay, amen, all right? But I'm, I need help, I need a plan, so that's how I'm wired, so this is a great plan. So in my reading on um, Thursday, one of my readings is there's four little parts to this plan, uh, there's uh, Old Testament, then the wisdom writings, uh, a, a gospel, and then the New Testament writings. So this is the four parts each day. Actually, it's only 25 days. There's only 25 readings each month. So you have like five oops days. Come on now, right? I gotta be at the airport at 4.30 in the morning, sorry. You know what I'm saying? Or my kid just spilled cereal all over the rug, right? Those days, okay? Anyway, that's why I like the plan. I'm sorry why I went off on that. But anyway, the point is this. Joshua 21 is my reading plan. Joshua 21, I'm reading it, and Joshua 21 is God appointing and allotting uh, for the Levites or for the priests of Israel as they come into the promised land. He is allotting each city in which they will have space. It goes a little something like this, Joshua chapter 21, verse 34. And to the rest of the Levites, the Merarite clans were given out of the tribe of Zebulun, Jochniam with its pasture lands, Karta with its pasture lands, Dimnah with its pasture lands, Nahalal with its pasture lands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaz with its pasture lands, and out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaz with its pasture lands, Kedamoth with its pasture lands, and Mapath with its pasture lands. Four cities and out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth and Gilead with its pasturelands, the city of refuge for the manslayer, um, uh, Mahanim uh, with its pasturelands, Heshbon with its pasturelands, Jazer with its pasturelands, four cities in all. Total t shirt material. I feel like <laughs> I would love to have that t shirt just inspiring people, okay? I'm going cross eyed. Like Lord, this is this scripture. This is what you want me reading. I'm just for 42 verses. I'm just like God. Okay, I'm here for this. I just, uh, I'm. It's maybe a good geographical. Like if you maybe want to study. Like if you've got patience for getting out a map and figuring that out. That's awesome. Then we get to verse 43. Get to verse 43, and here's what it says. "'Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land "'that he swore to give to their fathers. "'And they took possession of it, and they settled there. "'And the Lord gave them rest on every side, "'just as he had sworn to their fathers. "'Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, nor the Lord had, uh, "'for the Lord had given them "'all their enemies into their hands.'" Verse 45, here it is, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. Oh, and I'm just like, God just saves me in that moment, because I'm like, I don't know if I could do this anymore here in Joshua, and all of a sudden, the Lord just grabbed my heart, and I got just like tears in my eyes. Now I know why. God's giving every little boundary line and every little place and every little tribe and he's giving us all this information because he's saying, here, every word that I spoke, I kept for you, everyone. You wanna know why there's endless genealogies and lines and histories and sightings and all of those things. You wanna know why that's all there? Because God's saying every ounce of it, I guarantee you and I promise you I did. And you will never, ever, ever worship a God who doesn't fully do every promise I make to you. And all of a sudden, the power of this, what was rough chapter, comes alive. God's never said one, all of a sudden, God's never said one false thing. Man says false things all the time. We fall short all the time. God has never said, never promised one thing he won't perfectly and fully keep. And that's the power when we're willing to come to our word and just, God, tell. would you tell me who you are? I'm reading this genealogy. I can't get through this. And the Lord says, I, I did it all. And I think the Lord lined up my reading for this morning just to remind us this is what he does you know how to best to interpret the scripture the, just start asking god would you just show me who you are show me what you're like and we get power and life from it and then we get to turn as we investigate as we observe as we see the who what when and where of these scriptures. And we get to ask this core question, God, what do you in this scripture say about me? What are you saying to me? We get to take this word of God and go, okay, what are you saying about who I am? What are you wanting to cause to be different in me? How are you calling me to trust you today? so powerful to be able to come to the scripture being able to ask that question. John 15, just a great, you could read John 15 and really study it forever and never really get out of it. It's so powerful. John 15 verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, we can just agree right now. I could do the next four sermons on those four verses, and we wouldn't get near the fullness of that. A little different than Joshua 21. All of it's got power, all of it has a different purpose. So as we investigate this, we just get to ask this question okay, I want to know who you are. But then, what are you saying about me? What's your declaration over me? And he's saying, here, listen, in this place, I'm, I don't want you to follow me as a servant. I'm asking you to follow me as a friend. He's saying, oh, this is so powerful. Here's what the Lord says about you from just these few, ver- few verses. You're my friend. If you hear my words and trust me, by the way, when it says "if you follow my commands," and we're going to talk about obeying here in just a minute. But for the Lord to say here, uh, "if you obey," what, does he say? what, what is it? What is He talking about there? He's just saying trust. You trust what I'm saying. What is the foundational piece of every meaningful, significant relationship you've ever had? The foundational piece: trust. He's saying, you're my friends if you just trust me. You're my friends. And then he says, and not only that, but I chose you. I picked you. You didn't pick me. I picked you. Let that blow your mind for the next 10 hours. And then he says, and aside from the fact that you're my friend, and aside from the fact that I chose you, hear this. You have access to me, unfettered access. You don't know what God's saying about you? You're my friend, and I chose you. And You have all the access to me. That's who you are. This is why the word is so powerful, to ask this question. Do in me what you say about me. And we get to... Unpack. We get to again meditate and journal and write and whatever way is helpful for you. Sing it. Some of you, you're like, don't make me write anything down. But if if I could just sing it. Some of you just need to take it and sing it. Or some of you maybe need to run. Or I don't know what. It, however, you need to interact with the Word of God. Just let it come alive. Grab the devotional that you need for help or the the tool or whatever, but ask the question, God, show me who you are and tell me who I am no matter where I'm at. And I believe the Lord will take every scripture from Joshua 21 to John chapter 15 and turn our hearts over to make us more like him. And then we get to just finish. Right, what time is, what time? What time is the scripture? What time do we finish? Is it time? What 9 to 10, 15, we're supposed to be done, right? Is Luke Luke come up? (laughs) Okay. Man, I got lost. I don't normally do that. That go, yeah, yeah. First service, come on now, huh? That's what I'm talking about. Now we build church up in here, okay. (laughs) Yeah, except for the second service is out there, like. All right. It's all right. You guys, you guys got up in the cold rain, got here first. So we know who the spiritual people are in this church. Okay, come on. Sorry, we're recording this. That's going to go out. Sorry, second service. Just kidding. God loves you. He is for you. All right. Five. I never do that. Sorry. Five. Um. Hey, how, God? How can I just obey? And and or, uh, what can I share? Sometimes there's just a step. Maybe it's even internal. Sometimes there's like a, I think you're calling me to do something. I need to to repent. I need to apologize to my wife. I need to tell my children I'm sorry. I need to follow up with this guy that was sharing some things and I didn't want to have to mess with it, but you're just stirring my heart today. Whatever it is. Or is there just someone I need to share truth with? That commandments, if you will, are the callings of God for us to follow him as an expression of trust. Whenever we say yes to him, it's the way we say we trust you. So you guys stand with me. We're going to be done. We're just going to ask him. we got negative one minute to ask this question. But we're just going to ask it. It's worth taking just this one moment. If you feel comfortable, would you just hold your hands out to receive from the Lord? And just ask this, Lord, what rhythms do you want me to build with you, to meet with you? Would you just ask him that? Maybe there's something fresh you want to reveal. Maybe you just want to breathe life into what I'm already doing. Maybe you feel like, man, I've just messed up so bad in Bible reading. I feel so shame. And it's just time for that false word that comes from straight from the enemy to be stomped on. But Lord, would you build, or would you ask him for hunger? God, would you build in me a hunger? Help me to press in to you. In fact, I have a sense that you feel um, that it's easy to be distracted. You've, some of you have tried to either pray or read the word, and you've gotten distracted, jumped back on Instagram or whatever, and it just you felt defeated. And the Lord's saying, No, son, no daughter, no. Keep pressing in. I'm inviting you to be my sheep. That build something with me. Would you just let him wash over you, remove shame and guilt and just give you fresh hunger? That I will love your word more than anything. More than anything. More than my job or my responsibilities. More than football on a Sunday. We treasure it. Help me find life and joy. Would you give that to me? Ask him. You ask him. Give that to me. Help me build something meaningful. We love you, God. Thank you for building, longing for us to be with you and to hear your voice. And the fact that you keep us. And no one will snatch us out of your hand. So we're safe with you. Safe with you in your word. Create new life in that place. We're asking. We've got to have some prayer partners up here. We'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your world. Maybe you feel a million miles away. Maybe you just need someone to partner with you for something fresh. We're here to pray with you. And so our, our prayer partners will be there. I'm gonna pray this benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. lift up his countenance upon you. And Monday morning and in the evening, give you his peace. We ask in the name of Jesus, who is our King. Pray. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all.